I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Whenever that ball was in the air, coming out to the edge of the box, I'm sitting here in my apartment on my own just shouting, time, 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 because I wanted him to take it down. I was sick of seeing Villa just boot the ball up the field. <laughs> no, they weren't even booting it up in the field. They kept booting it back into their own box. Like, how, many times did that, how many times did that happen today? That was incredible. Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Oh my god, we did it! We did it! Like, I don't even mean the victory. I wanted to start this podcast anyway, celebrating the fact that Aston Villa kept a clean sheet in the face of some attacks from an opposition team. I was like, I was genuinely crying out for a nil-nil result here, thinking, this is going to be amazing. Like, we, we've, we've conceded a few chances and we haven't scored every single time. We might even keep a clean sheet against a good team. And also, I was looking at Wolves' record. It was like they had won five, drawn four or 1-5, lost 4, drawn 2. And I was like, fuck, that's a good record. And I realised it was the exact same as ours when we played two more games and got two more points. So I realised we were doing all right. So I was thinking, you know what? A nice away draw here at Wolves would be pretty good. And then up steps Anwar El Ghazi in the 94th minute. Cool as you like. Liam, I'm going to jump straight to WhatsApp winges here because um, it's fair to say that our WhatsApps were, were hopping when Anwar El Ghazi <laughs> for the ball and uh here's just a little insight of um our thoughts on it what the fuck is this cunt hitting it for fuck off what a fucking penalty he's a fucking hero el goalsy it is <laughs> um yeah knee jerk as they come Liam <laughs> pretty pretty knee jerk I don't I don't, I don't appreciate this. WhatsApp winges is supposed to make you look stupid. <laughs> I got all for the evolution of the of the format of the show and all, but you know, let's let's not go down that road. I have to say, right, I got really excited when I saw the penalty. Obviously you have that nerve as well, right? Alright, come on, come on, Jack, put it away. Then 
I saw Amor with the ball. <laughs> I jumped straight down, wrote down in my notes, um, invented a new category that I didn't have for today. Like the not the, not inventing a new one. I brought back one we weren't going to use. The you let Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award, and it was of course you let MRL Gazi take a 90th minute penalty, um, and he absolutely buried it. And not only that, asked about it afterwards, and he's just like, ah, oh, yeah, no, I didn't feel much pressure at all. I'm, uh, I'm pretty good at penalties. It was going to be between Jack and Ollie, but yeah, Jack gave it to me because he knows he knows my capabilities. <laughs> like, yes, that's what we want from a penalty taker. Let's get Amor on the pitch every single time for a penalty. <laughs> yeah, it was an absolutely incredible penalty. The classic, you know, could have had two goalkeepers in there, Connor. Um, <laughs> but even just the way his body shape, you know, he, he, he dummies it without having to dummy it because with that body shape, you have to go back across your body. But he just places it right into that side. Nobody's yeah. ever expecting that. He just sells Rui Patricio up a river and buries it into the corner. It was a great, great penalty from a great just, man. <laughs> Do you know what? Like He does deserve a lot of credit because there he is just sitting on the bench. We've written his career off, basically. He's um he's not playing anything. He's only really called upon today because Trezeguet's injured and Ross Barkley's injured and Wesley's injured and Davis is injured. You know, so Al Ghazi's getting his chance, and like he's talking there about like having to work hard, and you know, if he does get his chance, and that's, I suppose, that's exactly what you want. And generally, as well, when that happens, and a player comes onto the pitch, and and yeah, he ends up being the hero. Like the manager is doing something good as well to keep them along in that journey. So, like, I'm I'm all for Amor, and he, he does. He's not going to get a lot of credit this year, but but by God, there's three big one, three big points, and that's six games now. Villa have played. They've won six matches. They've lost four. They've played five of last year's top nine, and they have won all five of them. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And what was undoubtedly one of the most boring matches ever broadcast. <laughs> it was my favourite game of the season. It was just so good to get out of there with the win. And like you, I was thinking, yeah, nil all. Don't even bother wrapping it up. Just put it in the bag. I'll take it, especially after the red card. But to get the win in those circumstances is just... That's brilliant, especially against Wolves. We still, um, we're still allowed to have a few complaints. Uh, the two handballs in the first half. The second one, the second one is is that is given against Villa. You're you're feeling very hard done by because his hand is down by side, but his hand takes the ball so far away from a chance, like it's going straight onto Watkins' head. I think the the first one is a disgrace. Like he, he's moved his elbow out, it's hit his elbow again, it's taking the ball in a completely different trajectory away from danger. Um, and VAR look at it like this. This is this is a big problem. Like you know, you're having people looking at it. And that's what I'm saying. A few weeks ago, where I would actually rather now have a referee being interviewed or the VAR being interviewed to explain exactly. Like you've you've watched a few replays there. Why have you not given that? Because we have Peter Walton, who is a Premier League referee for nine years on BT Sport, um, talking about like yeah, by the rules, it's it's, it's in the red zone. So it should be a penalty, but but for me, it's not a penalty. It's like what? What? what what's that? Jermaine Genius is agreeing with him, but like, you know, who gives a fuck about Jermaine Genius? So, like, you know, you people watching it, and they're all saying, by the rules, this is a penalty. But you know, but sure isn't it good that it's not been given? And yet again, Villa, are, oh, they weren't screwed over today, but they were screwed out of a goal. Well, El Ghazi wasn't on the pitch, so who knows? <laughs> but, um, but like, it's almost like. Um, another chance for VER to avoid controversy by not giving this, and it's Villa who are the victims of it. Yeah, I mean th- that whole that whole penalty decision was just a, it was an absolute shambles. I mean, Jermaine Genus summed it up when he when he said they they gave the they got the right decision going by for the wrong reasons, but no, they didn't. They got the wrong decision for the wrong reasons. 
yeah. it was definitely a penalty. And it was so, I mentioned this last week, how quickly and desperately people buy into narratives. Was, as soon as one person said, aren't we glad that wasn't given as a penalty? Everyone was so desperate to say yes, because they just kind of remembered something in the back of their head where there was a lot of penalties given at the start of the year and people found it annoying. So they're all just going to go along with this, regardless of how many replays they see, that yeah. this, this isn't a penalty. I mean, they, they, they all ask, where, where is his arm supposed to be? He's playing fucking imaginary Illin pipes there. They're not supposed to be out there. His arm is so far from his body and he moves it up as well as his body is going down. It was undoubtedly a penalty. And by the way, you can't just start changing rules in the middle of the season after you've played 10 games. And for example, Villa have been like on the wrong side of the old rules. It's, it's like, I think you made the point to me, maybe off air, so I'll let you make it fully here, but like allowing crowds in um, to some stadiums 10 games into a season, you can't just start messing around with things like that like you know when you've already had beneficiaries of the old rules and, and now suddenly you're deciding to change them or your attitude is changing at least yeah no i mean imagine if at the start of the season you had a said to 10 teams these 10 teams will play 19 home games nine away games and 10 games in a neutral venue but these other 10 teams they're going to play 10 away games and 28 neutral game venues like that's like that's absolutely shambolic so you can't you can't wouldn't do that at the start of the season so you can't do it midway through the season i know we all want fans back in the stadium but until everybody can have fans back in nobody can and to change the handball rule during the season i'm a little bit i'm a little bit more understanding of that one because the handball rule was shambolic and it was there was there were silly penalties being given but once you've changed the rule you can't just not give ones that are clearly penalties because you want to have to create this idea that we've changed the rule and we're not giving any stupid handball decisions anymore. That wasn't a stupid handball decision. Yeah. Like, th- that's the infuriating thing, this idea. Like, ah, oh, good to see a bit of common sense, isn't it? It's like, wh- what was common sense about that? You've just let someone elbow the ball away from somebody's <laughs> head. Like, there- there's nothing commonsensical about that. Like, but let's talk about Mike Dean. His ego is out of control. Um, so you have a game there that's, I don't think it was dirty at all, a few late challenges. 11 yellow cards. That's including um, Douglas Louise and Matinho, was it, who got this, the two the two yellow cards? But um, just like I think you mentioned before about that sort of school school teacher school principal vibe, he has it. He's on steroids in in that field. Um, and like not only that, he seems to think he he's so right with every one of these decisions, and like he's whipped the yellow card out without even having a thought. He's whipped it out. Like it's it's like he's got a race to get this out and get it back in his pocket, as if to say like. I don't need to think about this. I don't need to, to see it again. His tone with the players is dreadful. It doesn't let anybody speak to him. And on top of all that, he's missing stuff. He's like, so he's given Grealish a yellow card, having missed Terori coming in late on Grealish. You know, the one that they were looking at for a penalty when Louise was seen to be fouled in the box as well. Yeah. Um, he missed Cody. Well, like he's, he actually he saw Cody's cynical foul on Watkins when Watkins was going through on goal. Not through on goal, but he was, he was behind the defence. Um, and he, he put up his two hands to indicate an advantage. He, like So he saw that, he, he acknowledged it, and he didn't bring it back to give Cody a yellow card for pulling for pulling Watkins back. Um, he obviously missed the handballs, and he still struts around with this uncontrollable ego. Um, it needs to be taken down a peg or two. Like, that's a game there where I, if I was a Premier League if I was in the Premier League, I would be like looking for him to be reviewed now off the back of that. It was just unnecessary, the stuff he was doing. 
Yeah, I mean, there were. I would say there were about four or five that were were definite yellow cards, including yeah. Douglas Louise's elbow into the head, which is you know borderline red. And there was a lot of you know pullback for counter attacks, but whenever there's that many yellow cards in a game, and especially as you said, one that wasn't wasn't dirty in any way. That's a pro- like Mike Dean has to control the game so that there's not so many bookings being flashed around. Yeah, like you know, he like a part of his game, a part of his role is to make sure the players aren't diving into tackles, aren't just consistently giving um, away free kicks or pulling people back. And one way to do that is to give yellow cards. But if that's not working, if the players aren't listening to that, then you you know you have to have a word with the captains. You have to try and get some sort of control back in the game because the game was so scrappy. And a lot of that was down to Mike Dean having no control over. Now, it was the the least prolific I've ever seen Villa this season. Um, like, just no one getting forward. Uh, like, uh, Wolves had greatest marks, obviously, like by three players, and they did a great job in cutting down all these angles. And the most frustrating thing about that is, like, you know, every time Greenish had the ball, you just had four Villa players just stationary looking at him, <laughs> thinking, is he going to give it to me? Should I? Like, should I? Like, do you know, there's nobody really when they start moving around Grealish. Grealish comes alive as well. He loves that. Like, you know, he loves when people are moving around him. Of course, he's a class player. He'll find you. Um, there's only Watkins to hit inside, and there's always four or five Wolves jerseys around him. Uh, like, a lot, I lost count of the amount of times a Villa player was tackled around the sideline and it ended up being a Wolves free, or a Wolves, sorry, throw-in. It was just like, there's a bit of softness going through the team, I thought, and just a lack of incision. And I was a bit not worried, but just like, oh, this was this is a real lackluster performance in an attacking sense. And I thought, like you know, Barkley definitely would have would have added more. It's like Jacob Ramsey did all right; like he looked sharp, you know, but he didn't offer much. He had a nice touch at one stage um, to pull it back out to cash for a nice cross, but you know, he didn't offer much in, in terms of like breaking Wolves down. So it was a bit disappointing in in that sense. Yeah, I mean, like Villa were very good up until about thirty-five yards from the Wolves' goal. Um, but I think there's something people forget is I think it's be- because he has a cool name and because his squad is full of Portuguese players and because he's exposed the glaring flaws in how Pep Guardiola sets up his teams. People forget <laughs> just how regressive a manager Nuno Espírito Santo is. He is so boring. And he's got all these really creative, nice little nimble players working like dogs. And they are so disciplined. And they get back into position so readily that they are incredibly difficult to close down. Um, Jack Grealish Jack Grealish had his quietest ever game. The Wolves shut that down really, really effectively. Like, they shut down most teams really effectively. They are, yeah. they are an incredible defensive unit for a team that's got so many, at least on paper, flair players. I mean, he plays Neves and Moutinho as his two midfielders, and they're never exposed. I know Neves wasn't playing today, but they're never exposed. That just shows you how hard he's got his team working. Um, he's, in a, he's an incredibly defensive coach, and people, I, do think, I do think that people forget that. And Villa just found it too hard to break down. They didn't have enough creative players on the pitch. Other than the three lads up top, there was, there was very little coming from midfield. And like very, very little, like, you know, joining in. Like, you know, I'm talking about Watkins being on his own in the box, but just in general, even if he was up top, it was, it was just lacking that those runs. Like, even McGinn wasn't offering them. He, he did for about half an hour 
not even like you know that much. Um, obviously he got the penalty in the end, so he he came good. Ramsey wasn't being the Barkley link, you know. He, he was definitely just missing those those extra bodies. That I actually wanted to talk about Watkins a little bit because, like, again, I'm having these thoughts for ninety three minutes until Villa win the match, and then I'm delighted. But you just need to start acting like the man a bit more. Like Ollie Watkins is brilliant. We know that. We've talked about him enough. Go through all the old podcasts and you'll get all the analysis on, on Ollie Watkins that you want. But I, j- I just want his attitude to change a bit more. Like, you know, it ha- there was a nice cross. I think it might have been McGinn. It was McGinn. And um, Watkins just missed it in the air. Like, just, that's just a case of timing your jump a bit better and being a bit more aggressive attacking the ball. Like, you can't be pushed off it in that situation. Um, Bertrand Terori didn't pass him one time. I don't know what he was trying along the end line. And you could see, you could see Watkins calling him to say, have a look. And he pointed at his eyes. But... I want I want Watkins to be angry there. Like, give me the ball. I want them to start demanding more of the team, and because that that feeds through your team. Then when you've got a striker that's saying, "Give it to me," stop fucking around. I'll help. Like, I'll I'll do what you want me to do. Then when you give it to me, but he's just not doing that just yet. He's not acting like the man. And if if you want to lead the line for a team that I'm just basing this on Dean Smith's comments on Jack Grealish the other day, if you, for a team that wants to be pushing for Europe, like so, just just to clarify that Smith is saying a Villa don't get into Europe, then they're not going to be matching Grealish's ambitions, which is obviously a very sensible and realistic way of looking at it. So this team needs to be pushing that way. You have one of the best players in the world playing with you. If you're not going to be bringing that attitude then to leading the line, like what what are you doing? He needs to just start acting a bit more like he is the main man on a team that's really good. Like Different people have, have different personalities, as I'm sure you're aware. But Ollie Watkins brings that attitude in how he plays the game and his absolute insatiable application and his ability to control absolutely terrible passes in him, to never let his head go down, to miss big chances and just keep going again. But he's not an arsehole, so he doesn't (laughs) just start screaming at people. Like, you know, sometimes it's enough just to say to somebody, you know, look up, and if the players are good enough, they'll understand what you're saying and they'll feel... It's like, you know, it's like a, a mother giving out to somebody instead of screaming at your child. Just, you know, let them know that you're disappointed in them. Yeah. And then maybe they'll change their approach in that way. Like, Ollie Watkins is just obviously a nice guy. And I, I think he he leads he leads enough through how he plays. He doesn't need to start screaming at people. He does. And again, like, I'm qualifying this with, like, I'm very, very, very happy with Ollie Watkins. His first touch is unbelievable. Um, the amount of... The amount of chances Villa end up getting because he's made something of a nothing ball and he might not even be in the rest of the move, but he's made it stick up top. He's found Greedish or he's found McGinn and got out of the way and, and gone back in for a run or whatever. Um, no, he's, he's doing all right. I'm just thinking, I want to go to the next level. I, maybe I'm just uh, a twat. but <laughs> I want to see a bit of anger in him as well or just a bit of, a bit of passion. I want to see a bit of passion out there. Christ. Um Matty Cash's throw-in trajectory. Let's talk about this. Um, Matty Cash, Matty Cash is an amazing long throw. I don't know how valuable it is. Like it's it's going further up into the air than it is going across the pitch. Uh, you know, like Conza did incredibly well to backheader a ball just wide of the post off it. Um, I, I just don't know if I want to see that unless he can improve the trajectory. Take even take five ten meters off it and. And skim it more. Like Rory Delap's throw-ins were so good because they were driving in. It was like it was like someone was shooting a cannon from the top of the stadium <laughs> down towards the goals with the ball in it. Um 
yeah, like Cash is just floating it up in the air. It's amazing how far he can get them, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how many big chances you're going to get off it. Well, like, well, they got one big chance from it. Um, Kanza and Nings are really good in the air as well, so it, it caused it caused a bit of panic once or twice. I don't, I don't like the trajectory of it either, and it was strange. I thought towards the end of the game where they just they didn't try it. It was around the 80th minute where they had two throw-ins. The ball came back out for a throw-in soon afterwards. And they didn't try it either time. And I thought, look, we're not creating anything in this game. Why not just do that again? I mean, our best chance came from a big looping, hanging, throwing. The concept back header past the goalkeeper. Why not just try that again? Because we're going to fuck all else. But, yeah. I, yeah, like, look, we'll keep an eye on it coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we've got loads to talk about. So I'm um, going to get into WhatsApp winches next. And then we'll do uh, a pile of categories after that. What's up, Winges? Does anybody care less about possession in the world than fucking trampoline Traore? <laughs> I actually really liked how, uh, how Bertrand Traore played today. I, I think he forces other people to play football. He, he's always playing the ball in front of his teammates. And, you know, if he can see the space in front of you, you're going into that space whether or not you want to because Trory is just going to play it into that space. He wants to go forward all the time. And I liked it. I mean, he's playing, he's playing on the wing for us. I want my players on the wing to be front foot footballers. And there's a couple of times we could see McGinn and Douglas Louise didn't go into the space, but he just played it there anyway and forced them to go forward. But I, I, I don't care if he doesn't care about possession. I want them to be taking risks. I want them to be creating chances. That's his fucking job. Yeah, so there's taking risks, and then there's just like it. Just I'm trying to I'm trying to imagine. I'm trying to think of an analogy, or even just imagine a situation I've been in. But like you know, when just somebody just just kicked the ball away, and you're like what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, or he he just like he kicks it. You know, five seconds before the other player is ready, you know, he just sort of pokes it in front of them, and and everyone's like, what? Oh, you've already played that ball. Like, relax yourself. Um few of the clearances just like what are you doing you know just doesn't seem to sense danger sometimes like he's uh flicking the ball in like into the center of the pitch just just a bit reckless and sp- like every time i saw see that toe on his left foot just like connecting with the ball as he's running with it it's like whoa 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 like nobody knows you're doing this <laughs> like, you know but then he doesn't seem to care he just turns around and runs back after it again and like yeah it's it's more because i want to talk about him a bit more later in categories but it's more just like down to that little facet where it's like, does he care if he loses the ball? Like, you know, whatever the situation. I know what you're saying when you're attacking. I don't mind somebody losing the balls or trying to do something, but just him coming through the lines in the middle, just, yeah, sure, we'll see what happens here with this toe poke. Well, not everybody's Jack Grealish. Not everybody can control space and time and just stop the ball underneath their foot. Some people <laughs> just have to get it going and get running. Yeah, um, like we'll come back to him. We'll come back to him. Uh, the second one is like, how much is Glenn Hoddle being paid, and why? Like, it's it's, it's he's not the most offensive person in the world, but like, it's just, well, what a waste of money is he adding to anybody's experience? I I assume he's pretty expensive as well. And yeah, Glenn, it's such a bad combination. I'm not even sure he does a lot of the games, but what the commentator's name is. But he was dreadful. Just the, 
the attempts at banter from the two of them as well was just so <laughs> grim. There was a couple of moments during that game where I was thinking about just turning off the audio. I said, I'll, I'll just watch it. I'll just watch it without commentary. But then I, I would miss the crowd sound then, so I had to keep it on. But the two of them were just bleak together. Yeah, it's... um. He always just he's another one of those players or those uh, co-commentators who just doesn't seem to enjoy football anymore that much, and it's not even like an old-fashioned thing. I just think maybe he's just seen enough games, and he's like, Ugh. you know, he just sort of seems worn down by the whole thing. He usually calls it wrong. Um, yeah, like it, it just doesn't have any good insight. To it. He never says anything where I'm like, oh. Like, this is another thing that cool commentators don't get, especially, like, you know, especially now during a pandemic when there's nobody in the stadium, but most of the people watching a football match aren't at the stadium, so you can eliminate something that we can't see, mm. like, you know, and they don't seem to appreciate that position. Like, you know, just, just tell me, like, what's what's happening off the ball or tell me why something's a bit more difficult. Like, just, just add something, but he's just there looking at the replays the same that we're looking at them and being and calling it wrong usually so we're yeah. we're all watching the replay knowing he's talking shit and he's getting it wrong yeah absolutely I, you do get the sense that he is just staring at a screen for the whole game he's not looking he's not <laughs> taking advantage of his ability to see the whole pitch but it's really it is actually surprising because glenn hoddle was an incredibly creative and beautiful footballer by all accounts and remember yeah. this is a man who signed rude hullet and tried to bring the sweeper back into fashion 20 years after it had gone out of date in the Premier League when there was only about 15 foreign players playing in the league. You know, he, yeah. was, he was an innovative manager, ultimately unsuccessful. But, you know, you think he would have something interesting to say because he had interesting ideas on the game. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, that, that's why I know it's not an old-fashioned, like, you know, my day was better because, yeah, because of that. But it's just, he just seems to have hit his peak a long time ago with watching football and just isn't that interested anymore. But obviously... He's been paid a shitload of money to do so. Um, does John McGinn realize that you can still make a tackle that isn't always a yellow card offense? <laughs> like John McGinn just stopped tackling people as soon as he got a yellow card, which was around the thirtieth minute mark. It, it, it's like he, he thinks that if he can't just chop someone down or hammer into them, then he can't tackle them, and he became the most passive limp dick that I've seen playing football in a long time just the way he was letting people brush past him every time yeah and you could see as well he was really conscious of his feet he was pulling his feet out of the way a lot of the times but sometimes yeah. you, can, you can just leave some you know leave a bit of your body on them as well you don't have to go charging into them so it's a blatant block and yellow card but, you know you can still put physical contact on a player he didn't want to send off anybody the two red cards he gave were obvious red cards but like John McGinn had plenty Plenty more to give before he was in danger of being red carded. McGinn was probably harsh enough as well to get a yellow card. Like it was definitely a foul that one, but he had planted his feet. It wasn't. I don't think he followed through. Like he's in the way. Uh, Glenn Hoddle, but he's probably wrong. He seemed to suggest it because he's made a number of fouls before then. But like one of the fouls was the worst decision I've ever seen in my life. McGinn, the ball hits off his knee and then he pokes it away. And he doesn't even connect with Adama Rory, and the referee gives a free to Rory, and then, like yeah, it was it was incredible decision. But yeah, he was it was a harsh enough yellow card that he got. So it's not like this guy, yeah, he's been asking for it, and then suddenly he just he stopped. Like if he had kept playing the way he was playing, he wouldn't have given away a yellow card. But yeah, it, it became very polite, which John again. That that is one thing he's not like when John McGinn's at his best, he's ignorant. He wins balls back that he's not supposed to win back. He uses his arse 
in a tight situation and then he wins a penalty like he does because he decides to not make a player and just to drive around inside him. Like that that's when he's at his best. So you can't I was actually thinking take him off because he's just there now, like, you know, directing traffic past him and and on to my target, which is worse. But um he actually had a good game. We'll come back to him. But yeah. <clears throat> Disappointed him again. I ha- I only have one more WhatsApp winch. Uh and it's <laughs> the simple one. Where the fuck is Wesley? <laughs> yeah, I I don't fucking know because we we were really worried when we looked at the bench before the game and El Ghazi was the only player that could come on in the front three and you're you're thinking, Christ almighty, we better not be a goal bound going into the last ten minutes here. Um because how long has Wesley been out for now? I know he had a, I know it's a big injury, but he's been giving us he's been teasing us with updates on fucking yeah. Twitter for the last or on Instagram for the last Two or three months saying nearly there. What the fuck does maybe his English is terrible? What does he think nearly means? <laughs> yeah, like this is it. I think it's just over a year um has passed after the Burnley game that he got injured in. Um and Dean Smith was talking about it recently. He said he's been handed over from the physios now onto the conditioning team. So he's on the pitch. He's um he's with the team, but not doing team training, but he's he's out with the was the management team basically, um, and he's talking about he needs to build up his aerobic capacity. And I'm thinking, like, does he like because their subs only come on in the last ten minutes anyway? Or aer- is aerobic capacity? Wesley doesn't run for more than ten meters anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure there's some like physiological reason, you know, whether that'll be better for his injury and his, his overall long term health of his if he's at full condition when he's coming back but like as you we have El Ghazi and Hurahan who are our only non-defensive subs on a bench of seven people the Kamba was the only other non-defender but he's basically a defender um like Wesley needs to come on to that bench because because what happens if Watkins gets injured yeah like is is El Ghazi going up top again we tried that last year it was a fucking disaster not not his fault yeah, like for Wesley's long-term, you know, recuperation. What about the long-term prospects of the team? You know, we you know we 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 need a we need a forward on the bench. Now, listen, maybe we should stop talking about this because we're not highly paid professional medics. You know, they they probably <laughs> know whether or not Wesley can play a game of football. But fuck me, he can definitely play a game of football for ten minutes. <laughs> well, what, I just want to see a bit of passion. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's it. Like, and I'm not, I'm not. I don't even want them to come on for Watkins. I just want to know that he's there. And like, yeah, if if you say we're one nil down, and Wolves have brought on a defensive sub, wouldn't it be nice to bring on a second striker for the last eight minutes? Like, he, he doesn't need his aerobic capacity to, to flick on a few balls or take a few balls into his chest and lay it off, like, or, or go up for a header from a corner. Like, I, I, we need him back. Like, the bench is terrible. Like, I'm getting um updates from Steve and Liverpool. Fan. I've mentioned him a few times now, but. It, I have no sympathy for him because he keeps um he keeps whinging at me every time a Liverpool player gets injured and I'm like oh god like now Fabinho has to play like terrible <laughs> you know? um and now he's texting me today like you know Jota's injured so another sub and then I sent him on the Villa bench which was Steer Elmo Gilbert actually I forgot Gilbert was there um Nakamba House Jesus like House and Gilbert are back nobody cares um El Ghazi Harahan. And I, you know, like Wesley Davis, Barkley, Trezeguet, they're all out for Villa. Like, they already had no room for for error in this front. Um, like, yeah. So, like Wesley, if he's back on the pitch, if he's working with the conditioning team, 
part of his conditioning program now should be we're going to let you be on the bench here and like we'll tell Dean that you're not to get more than 15 minutes and he won't get more than 15 minutes anyway because it won't be a sub made before 75 minutes no like yeah I mean everybody else can complain about complain about their squads and can complain about injuries as much as they like but I'm not fucking listening to them Villa have had nine players start every game like whenever whenever the Villa team sheet was announced, you know, three or four games ago, I was only checking to see if it was Traore or Trezeguet that was playing. I didn't look at any other position on the team sheet. I just immediately <laughs> went to uh, right wing just to find out which one it was because that was the only possible change to the team. <laughs> That's so true. You see, today when um I saw Ramsey on the, it, it really confused me. <laughs> I saw Ramsey and Traore, so I was like, what the hell's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> because it was like suddenly I'm always I was always looking for Target and Trezeguet that's who I was looking for every time um, to see if those two were playing it's like yeah they're playing so the rest of the team's the same and now suddenly you had Target, Ramsey and Traore and it, it, like, I had to look at it loads of times like really she's playing we have a striker I didn't know what was happening it was very simple what was happening Haraham was dropped the poor fucker um, do you want to do like how, how did you think Ramsey got on uh, in his, his full debut I thought he was good it was really impressive for a 19 year old to play centre midfield in a game like that as well. I thought he, it, he had loads of energy in a really, really scrappy game where he probably couldn't show his other skills. Yeah. He was probably a little bit... I think he was holding himself back a little bit. I don't think he was taking enough risks on the ball because, you know, yeah. he's, he's playing in a number eight position. He could probably try a few more things. He probably gave the ball to the winger, to the right back or to Dougie too often. Where he could he have just done something else himself. But but like you know, it's it's a we've seen him play a few times now this year, and every time it's encouraging. He's he's definitely a, he's definitely a good player. Yeah, um, ending WhatsApp wins on a positive note. That's uh that's when you know things are going well. Eighteen points out of thirty so far. Uh, we'll get into some categories after this. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. And the lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably been a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's, like if you, he's uh, an uh, unlikable character. Like, what if he's put on a foot? Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. Is that any game? Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it, though, as well. Though, because they're like, not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like, there's, there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean, they're they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. <laughs> the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. The only downside, those Brummy accents, though. They really go through you, don't they? The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. 
Um, not a stranger to this category for the exact same thing that he did again today, Mr. Jack Grealish. At the edge of the box, stabbing the ball down with his shoulder 10 metres in front of himself and not even looking to see what's behind him, goes straight to a Wolves player. Thankfully, um, I don't know what, what came of it. I think it might have been an all wide, but it was like, Jesus, Jack. Like, you know, it's it's great that you, you love keeping possession and you want to run out with the ball, but like, just just have a look. Like, you know, the ball has been headed clear by one of your defenders and now you're trying to not only bring it down, but just jab it in front of yourself and then go after it, not, not realizing that there's a pile of Wolves players just coming in on it. Dodgy, dodgy stuff. No, 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 no. That was not dodgy. In that situation, you want Jack Grealish taking the ball down in his chest. You just want him to do it fucking properly. He just absolutely <laughs> cocked that up. He didn't get it. He was trying to. He wasn't trying to jab it down. He was trying to get his shoulder around it to take it further out to the left. He shouldn't have done that. He should have just taken it on his chest and then need it. But um, yeah, like no, I absolutely want Jack Grealish to take the ball down there and to try to. If Jack Grealish concedes from that, you're like, ah, oh, you're a fucking idiot for. For fucking that up but it was the right thing to do keep doing the right thing and you'll win more games than not and like whenever that ball was in the air coming out to the edge of the box i'm sitting here in my apartment on my own just shouting time 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 because i wanted him to take it down as i was sick of seeing villa just boot the ball up the field and they <laughs> no they weren't even putting it up in the field they kept booting it back into their own box like <laughs> how many times <laughs> How many times did that happen today? That was incredible. Like, like Terori did one. Terori kicked one from the edge of the box where he tried to kick up the field and then nearly ended up going out for a corner. Yeah, and Konza flicked one up to his left foot from the corner yeah. flag and booted it into the box, which was incredible. <laughs> incredible. Dougie did it as well. Yeah, it was absolute madness. But yeah, like, take a touch, Jack. Cam it all down. I'm reminding myself of, uh, I watched the Jack Charton film there recently, the Finding Jack Charton. And... <laughs> There's a hilarious moment where he's like, you know, obviously his stock is sky high in Ireland. So he's going around doing his tours of the place and he's chatting to these kids here, looking at them all beady eyed. And they're all sitting around and it's like the Ireland manager is teaching them football. And he's like, you take it here. And he t- takes a chest. You take it there. He takes a knee. And then you get rid of it. <laughs> and he just follows it clear. And all, all these seven-year-olds just looking up, learning football from the very top. And it's like, just get rid of it. It's like, fuck. Hell. I remember Roy Keane talking about Jack Churton as rain ending and Mick McCarthy taking over and he said the best thing about it is whenever you're playing centre midfield you don't end up with a crick in your neck at the end of the game now. <laughs> That's amazing. How does, how does that end up for you Roy? Will we get into the 2002 Saipan thing? Or... <laughs> um, so Peter Inkerman and all nomination. I've got three. John McGinn, assuming he was offside when Target headed the ball back in. Remember the, the Mings back heel goal? And so frustrating. John McGinn's like between two defenders and he sort of puts, like, again, that sort of reminded me of his tackles all game, puts his two hands up, lets the ball just glide by him. And the defenders aren't even going to him as well because they seem to think he's offside. And yeah, he's not. Like, you look at the replay, he's so far onside that it's, it's yeah completely frustrating yeah it's really frustrating as well because even if he thought he was offside the right thing to do there is to do what Tyrone Mings does it's to make sure the keeper can't just come out and collect the ball because it's a counter attack on them so even from a defensive perspective he did the wrong thing John McGinn has to do something with that ball that's actually such a good point because what was he wanting there to do he wanted the keeper to just yeah, take the ball and like he knew like well he thought he was the furthest man forward him and McGinn him and Mings he thought they were both offside so he wants yeah. the keeper to you now catch it where Mings, who you know was there with you, and your centre midfielder, who you are, 
are standing in the box with the keeper with yeah. his hands on the ball. Yeah. yeah, that's insane. I didn't think it was that way. Like McGinn has to either put the ball in the net like Mings does or control it and just have it in between his feet and the keeper has to come out and push him over and stuff and just, just make a nuisance of himself because that, that's a dangerous situation, particularly against a team like Wolves. The other thing is, if if you, you think you're the last man or you think you're one of two last men, why would you leave the ball anyway? Like regardless of the keeper, you know he he can see that there's nobody else coming onto it. Like sometimes a player leaves that when he can see a player coming from midfield running onto it. You know, so you get yourself out of the way. Like just take the touch and have a shot, as you say. Like if you're offside, you're offside. So what? Yeah. Like you've, you've given away the ball. Like you know, why not just see? Yeah, everything's being checked. Like you know, it's, you're not relying on the lines person's flag anymore. So just put it in the net and see what happens. Yeah, I don't I don't like polite McGinn. Um. This other one is sort of the same theme because of what happened, but Douglas Louise's free kick in the 79th minute out in the right wing, he hits it about 30 metres short. Like, not even, like, hitting a ball off the first man is always annoying anyway, but this ball went so far short, and you had Mings and Kanza up. Uh, Louise, obviously, you're holding midfielder, taking the free kick on the right sideline, just completely undercooks it, and Wolves go forward and almost get, get a big chance from it. Yeah, it was a fucking disaster. It was it's it's such a frustrating thing. I think you wanted to dock a fullback's wages for you know kicking a ball out of play from across. <laughs> I you could easily do the same thing for everybody that hits the front man with a free kick or corner. So who do you have, Grealish, McGinn, or Louise? McGinn. McGinn. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Uh, the Vyman meter, Andres Vyman. I could never hate you, skill. Uh, I think I've got three going up and two maybe going down. Um, Emmy Martinez, is there is there a more beautiful thing in the world than a strong goalkeeper's hand? It like in the there was the, I assume you're talking about the big one in the 37th minute. Yeah, the left hand, big strong arm to it. Yeah, and not only that, he can see Matt Target closing it down, but he's alert to the danger. And just jumps up and collects the ball before Matt Target can do anything with it. <laughs> that was just that was just such a good save, big strong wrist, and it, it kills the ball dead. Um, but Jesus Christ! By the end of the season, you, you'll be able to put together about two hundred hours of us talking about what a good sign and Emmy Martinez has been. Yeah. He was absolutely immense tonight. But not only all his big saves, and we'll come back to one of them definitely. It was just the simple things. He's so commanding of his area. And yeah. whenever there's no crowd noise as well, you can really appreciate that. You know, the big one he comes out where Kansas sprinting back towards the front mm-hmm. post with a dangerous... Real yeah. yeah, like anything can happen from that. And he just shouts keeper. Kansas does really well to pull up as well and he just collects it. The one where he got he got kicked in the head, Yeah, you know, playing as a sweeper coming out, that was, that was brilliant. Just read the play, understood that the ball was going to get crossed past target and yeah. read the situation again uh the one th- from the header that he held as well i think uh glenn hoddle was being very harsh he said he uh Seist didn't get much on the header it was actually a really good header he got it down there's not much mm-hmm. else he can do with it and martinez not only gets down really early he holds the ball which is just i've mentioned this before about martinez holding the ball is just whenever a keeper does that it's just it's so relieving and it's it probably makes the save look less spectacular, but it's such a better save, obviously, because he's now got possession. But it, it, go on, sorry, go on. No, it's it sucks the life out of the other team as well when the keeper holds the ball. Like you've yeah. just ended, you've ended their momentum, you've ended their attack, and they all have to you now just go back. And he's just, and uh, uh, just even the optics of it, like you're attacking, and he's just 
qualmed it. Like, yeah. you know, when there's just, there's nothing else coming back. Like, it's over, lads. It's yeah. done. You haven't even gotten close. I've got the ball in my hands. Yeah, and you, and you make the shot look worse as well. So then even psychologically from the point of view, you don't really think about you had a big chance. You yeah. Know, you got a keeper that like, he was just picking cherries there. It was an easy, an easy save. But the save from Dent Anker is just out of this world. That, that was that was one of the best saves I've seen, definitely this season anyway. Dent Anker does really well to control that volley. And what a fucking save. To get across to that and just to get it up out of the air, out of the way so quickly was was spectacular. Yeah, that's something that I like. I was almost worried about. Again, you know, you, you just see that. It's almost in slow motion when you're looking at it. You see the ball sort of getting cut back and it's like, oh... Our line is so deep again, and there's just there's almost a there's always an offensive line that has five yards of space, um, and like yeah, he's just stand there waiting to volley, and you're waiting for it to hit the net and waiting to see them all run the way celebrating, um, and yeah, like Martinez, and what I loved about that was that he knew how risky that was, or like you know how dangerous it was, and he just had that sort of like, thank God I got there, mm. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and and humble as well, like and yeah, like his interception was classic, and that's just somebody who understands football. Cash has been tripped. You know, he's going across. So he does something about it, and he he was out a couple of times as well as like a sweeper keeper. His feet's obviously good on the ball, but also like like we're talking about that left-handed strong hand. Like that that's a goal of its Nyland. Like remember we had Nyland last year against Wolves, mm. and he threw the ball in the opposite direction. He meant to straight to <laughs> straight to Raul Jimenez, who blazed it over for some reason. Um, yeah, and like there's one oh, was, oh Fabio Silva with a with the overhead kick. Yeah. And like that's a goal of his nightland, or it's 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 he's tipping it over. Like, he's but Martinez's feet are so quick and mm-hmm. he's so calm that he just readjusts and catches the ball and it's again it's over because he's a class keeper. Yeah, he's gonna have to to slow down his feet or people aren't gonna appreciate how good he really is. Yeah, that's it. That's it, but I'm happy enough I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um going up, Ezri Konza, he uh he's just looking very alert. You know, we're talking about him having big clangers in his game. Not today. He uh, like like that that miss hit that he had down the corner, but it was good to see him chipping the ball up because that's the right yeah. thing to do. Chip the ball up and, and get rid of it. He just he just miss hit it. But um, yeah, it, it, like even at some stages, I'm thinking he's covering for Mings here. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, that one that comes off the post from Silva and he goes back across, and it's Konza who's yeah. on his boot there. Just, again, it's just closed down, and there's not another chance. Um, like Wolves did really well. It would have been a really good goal. Like it would have been just hard to take because maybe Konza could have done better to start off with, but it's a nice finish. It's hit the inside of the post, and then Villa haven't given them an other chance, which is what you want. Yeah, I was I was pissing myself laughing at myself whenever he did that uh, flick up and sliced clearance because I was just in the thought process of thinking Konza is such a good player. It just come <laughs> on so much. I actually think Konza Konza is as big a a big an impact on the team this year as uh, Emmy Martinez. Maybe not quite as big because he's replacing himself from last year as it yeah. Martinez is replacing Nyland. But Konza is just he's such a such a good player. And he's whenever Villa came up, they had they had Mings and Twanzebe and they had the three midfielders and they had Abraham. And so they had a really strong spine and it has taken until this year, maybe just after lockdown actually, to replace Twanzebe, who was really good in the championship. Konza is now is easily at that level, if not above it. He's a, he's a, he's a brilliant centre half. Going up, Matt Target. Matt Target, we shit ourselves. We saw the team sheet. We saw Adama Rory on the right-hand side. We saw Matt Target on the left-hand side. We saw Recipe for Disaster or 
at the very best of what could have happened. Matt Target coming off injured after 15 minutes. Um, but he did well. Like he, he did well. He um, probably even harsh enough for his yellow card. I thought he actually got the ball. Um, probably, it probably was a free, maybe. But like again, I wouldn't have if it was the other way around. I don't think I would have complained if it wasn't a free. Um, yeah, I thought I thought he did well under a bit of pressure. Dealt with it. Obviously, Grealish was a lot more on it. Like thinking, I need to help out here a lot today. Uh, a couple of good blocks down in the corner as well. They stopped the ball going in. Yeah, my target did well. My target was was solid enough. Yeah, I think I think what that more exposes though is uh, Nuno Espirito Santo's tactics today. Because how was he not looking at that situation and thinking I have to do everything in my power to expose this? Yeah, I've got the fastest player in world football up against the slowest athlete, like you know, including every type of athlete there, weightlifters, I assume, like <laughs> in professional sport. In professional sport, yeah, <laughs> uh, he, he he had to do something about that, and to not to not just repeatedly put the ball onto Troy's feet there was just was criminal. I thought from from uh, Nuno Espirito. And I think Villa, Villa weren't great either, but both teams seem to be afraid. I, now, to be fair to Dean Smith, he's lost four out of the last five games. So it's a bit like the post-lockdown scenario where it's just, right, let's just not fucking lose again. And let's just get some sort of a result here against a rival away from home. So I can yeah. understand his a bit more, but there was, there was loads of things to expose for Smith there as well. And they did it at the start. The Wolves clearly aren't comfortable playing in a back four yet. There was, you know, it was a couple of times in the first 10 and 15 minutes where they did expose that, where McGinn was like making late runs down the left channel where there should be both a, a right centre back and a right wing back. They didn't they didn't figure that out. Cody didn't know how to cover that space and Billy exposed it a few times. Then he stopped doing it. Which I thought it was really strange. And the fact that that Wolves didn't just target target was was unforgivable. If I, if I was a Wolves fan, I'd be really pissed off tonight. There wasn't there wasn't one ball that was played down the wing, like in front of Ferrari. Yeah, the Wolves were very slow. And I wonder as well, like we're talking about them not being comfortable in the back four. Like I, I couldn't believe, like even just for this game against Villa, like Wolves were so comfortable against Villa last year with the five at the back. And I know different teams, different scenarios, but Wolves are doing all right at the minute. And like, just have that system down to a T. And that, that, that includes from an offensive point of view. Like, so Villa were just running around the outside of them. The last time, like I, I think I texted you a week ago. Uh, once the Newcastle game got cancelled, and I was like, "Fuck!" You know, because I looked at it, and it was like Wolves is the next game. Great, we've lost two matches that we should have won, and now we're playing Wolves away, and we are, we're not going to have Barkley back. And I think I texted you saying, "Like I'm not, I'm not ready to see like Hurrahan and Ferrari run around the outside of a back three for Wolves or a back five as it usually is." Um, and like you know, Sevilla didn't get a glove on them last year, and Wolves just bang bang, like you know, they just hit them whenever they wanted to. Like again, in that, in that, no, no way, like you know, it's it's efficient and it's not, yeah, it's it's not adventurous really, but um, they just didn't seem to release Traore in any way, which they needed way more of because of the lack of well Jota as well and and Raul Jimenez being gone. And yeah, it's obviously a weak link for Villa, and like I can't believe that they wouldn't even look at those games. Like even like we're talking about Matty Cash having these great individual performances, but that's a big problem for Villa that he's having to have these great individual performances because those fullbacks are being exposed. There's space there because of the way Villa play. Yeah, absolutely. I, I honestly, I honestly think it's it was it was unforgivable. And even even in the absence of a game plan to do it, 
players should be taking responsibility for that. They should be sickening Truri with the ball. Any opportunity there was to give him the ball, they should have given it to him. He, he must have touched the ball about 15 times. It, it, it was it was a bizarre stuff from Wolves, but thankfully, thankfully they're obviously idiots. So what, what what's happening with Truri? Like <laughs> we've moved off Matt Target very quickly. Like Matt Target done well tonight, and uh, yeah, a couple of nice passes forward into the channels as well. Like nothing amazing, but um, like. Truri, sometimes you're thinking, right, this boy's just about to go on to another level now. Like, you hear the way other players speak about him as well. Like, you know, Jack Grealish is, like, his biggest fan. Um, but then, it, yeah, I, I wonder, is it because of the system or the lack of system? Um, and, yeah, what you're saying about the players. Like, you look there now, and it's obviously, it's part of Villa's tactic as well. But, like, Louise is very good at it. Like, he gets it to Grealish every time Grealish is anyway free. You know, and that's exactly what you want. I was thinking of that. Compared it almost to like a basketball situation there, where it's like bang, greatest is free, get it to him. Um, you know, but there's there's nothing like that with Wolves, and it's like Adama Shrori sometimes just looks like a fine, like a grand winger. You know, when he shouldn't be, he's obviously uh, as you say he's the fastest player in world football, and he's obviously really potent. So how is that not being shown up in every game? He's obviously not that good at football. He, 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 so. I, I, his, his movement off the ball he mustn't be getting himself into good enough positions he I don't know like he, t- to have what he has on the ball and to not be to not have a higher output would just lend itself to you thinking that he's not that good because he's not that young either you know he's, he's he's too old now for people to be talking about his potential he's a winger he's like he's only going to get physically worse now at this age he's He's just he's just not he's not good enough to to be the player that people keep pretending he's going to become. He'll 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 have one or two really good seasons and loads of moments during seasons where people are ex- keep expecting it to happen, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. So that's why I ask because like if people do pretend like it's going to happen and I just sort of went along with it, <laughs> you know, because because everybody was like you always talked about him this way, but every time I watched him it's like, yeah. You know, yeah, he looks he looks dangerous sometimes. Sort of like what he was like in his Villa career as well. Like he would just run past people when he got a chance, but he doesn't always get a chance. And but how often do people watch Wolves? Like, let's yeah. be honest, people watch Wolves whenever they're playing against Man City or Liverpool. So Adama, Adama Traore looks brilliant in a system that is set up to expose Fernandinho playing centre back with John Stones and nobody <laughs> else in defence. Like you know, that is just like he's gonna look good in that game. Where he's just running past a thirty-five-year-old former centre midfielder and the most expensive flop of all time. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got two players going down on the Vima meter. Um, Is one of them Adama Traore? <laughs> yeah, him and Mike Dean should be included as well. But I, I held these two because I was like again getting excited at the start of the match. It's it's McGinn and Louise, and I was like thinking, you know, Villa were so much control the first thirty minutes, and it was like, yeah, it's. This is what happens when McGinn and Louise decide to show up. You've got two really good midfielders again, you know, and then just the two yellow cards spooked the two of them. Um, and they just didn't. Like, McGinn seems to think if he's not using his arse, he can't control the ball. Do, but, do you know, it's like he wants to use his arse before he wants to use his left foot. You know, I've never seen so many instances of a team, and McGinn was definitely the biggest the biggest uh, proponent of it, but Louise was closely following him. But Grealish and Target, they were all at it. I've never seen so many instances of a team of players waiting on the ball while trying to shield it. They don't even have possession of it, but they're trying to shield it from an opposition player who's coming full steam in. <laughs> you have to get control of the ball before you can shield it. 
It was like they were all paying homage to John McGinn's arse to celebrate <laughs> his new contract or something. I don't. It was. It happened so many times. It was. I was roaring at the screen. It was. It was so obvious and so fucking annoying. Yeah, and like overall, I thought I thought McGinn just had a a dodgy enough performance. But now I'm just remembering that he basically won the game for Villa. So do, does that negate him going down on the Vima meter? It probably does. If we're being fair, right? He, he won. He got another two points on the board. He, he, John McGinn was brilliant up until he got booked. Then he was absolutely dreadful, and then he won the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, fuck. But McGinn's off it. Um, does Douglas Louise count in this? I, I, he, yeah. I, Douglas Louise is absolutely plummeting down the Vyman meter. How fucking stupid are you to do that in a really tight game to jump in elbow first for what was probably your third or fourth bookable offence after having been booked? It was just so fucking stupid. The ref has already booked nine players. (laughs) What the fuck are you doing? Like He's got the fucking yellow card sellotaped to his hand. Don't (laughs) jump into somebody with your fucking elbow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah because like actually his first yellow card i liked it it was one of those cash yellow cards where it was like ah yeah it's just stopped a break there that's that's mm-hmm. what you want from your your defensive midfielder to, to know that this could be dodgy i'll just take it for the team um obviously he preferred that it wasn't that early in the first half but you know it's fine and and he didn't go into his shell like mcginn did by way of challenges he kept, he kept mincing lads um but yeah, but even like I'm thinking, just because like, we were talking about him being an elite footballer, and he was, and like, I know he's got tr- travel like to Brazil <laughs> every so often, but um, yeah, it's just it's just not that level at the minute. Like you know, it's only a period of two or three games, but he's gotten suspended there, and I'm not thinking ah oh, bollocks, you know. I'm just thinking ah oh, grand, we're playing Burnley. This is the time to play Harahan. I just hope they don't play Nakamba. Um, do you know? Like I'm thinking, Louise won't be that big a miss. Uh, even just again the way he shapes himself at the edge of the box, he, like he's he's one of those boys that's just watching Grealish. Like Grealish would quite happily put it onto his right foot if he'd fucking show for it. Yeah, and he did show for it a few times, but obviously Grealish thought he thought he was going to have a shot, but he just you know took a touch and then rolled it out to a worse yeah. player on the wing. Um, yeah, he he he's missing. I think he's missing Barkley because Barkley gives him so much going forward. That means that that Louise doesn't have to do it. Yeah, and, like the three players were all doing the same role today. Essentially, they were all they were all playing in the six and a half position. You know, they were all up and down, and they were trying to rotate. Worked okay, but Louise is a lot better when he doesn't have to do that. And whenever you've got Ross Barkley playing, he he doesn't have to do it at all. Uh, so I think that that exposes him a little bit. But we're definitely gonna miss him against Burnley. That there's absolutely no doubt about that. Connor Hurahan and and the Camber are not. Are not adequate replacements for him. Like that's what that's probably why I'm so pissed off as well. It was stupid to get that yellow card in those circumstances, particularly because you're going to be fucking sent off and miss the next game. So one of the categories that I mentioned, um, and I didn't include it then in the end, but I'm certainly think should I include it? So they like the you like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award. Is there something in the fact that you don't have a penalty taker? Like, are, are you a bit worried about Greenish not wanting to hit a penalty? <laughs> you know, like again, obviously Villa won the game, so this is absolutely stupid. But like, yeah, who's the penalty taker? Like, it, it's obviously not coming from Dean Smith that, like, you know, if El Ghazi's on the pitch, he is hitting the penalty. It's just Grealish bottling it again. No, Grealish is like based on the penalty that that El Ghazi hit. Grealish is a genius. He obviously knows that El Ghazi is a brilliant penalty taker. 
and he and he gave him the ball. That's just that's just common sense. Grealish would have hit would have hit the penalty if El Ghazi wasn't on the pitch. I have no no doubt. Jack Grealish, Jack Grealish definitely would have taken the penalty. There's no man with more confidence in the game. He's also obviously got a lot of intelligence on the pitch uh, because he's given the ball to a better penalty taker. That's exactly what I want. What I want my team to do is to let the best player hit the penalty, the best penalty taker hit. Yeah, but like El Ghazi's not my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good argument it's a good argument um, right uh, so finally questions we can't answer but probably will um, yeah <laughs> so we sort of touched on this earlier how did Bertrand Rory do today because <laughs> I, I, I genuinely don't know like you were making some good points there like uh, towards the end of his 75 minutes I was like is he is he doing alright I'm, I'm not sure like the, sometimes he looks he looks decent other times he looks absolutely dreadful um, yeah the commentary on him online is mostly negative but I'm not going to let that shield me but like, yeah I don't I don't know how he did how do, like, how do you think he did I, I liked how he played that game at, was calling out for somebody with a bit of spontaneity and a bit of a bit of balls to take a few risks. I mean, that game was summed up in the 31st minute whenever the commentator said, Villa looking for a breakthrough just before the break. On the 31st minute. Yeah. I mean, like, time flies when you're having fun and the reverse <laughs> yeah. is very definitely true because that was such a boring game with nothing happening that I was, I was actually pleased that Trory was on the pitch trying things, playing balls that, you know, players didn't want forcing players to trust themselves a lot more. He was trusting his teammates, and I, I don't think you should, should ever you should ever slag somebody off for that. He was trying to he was trying to make things happen and all right, it didn't work out most of the time, but he's a right winger. He has to be taking fucking risks. But toward, in the second half he was he was almost anonymous. He, he he did fuck all in the second half and he was rightly taken off. Um is Matt Target looking fitter, or did he just get his hair cut? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, he went into the barber and said, "I want to look slimmer." <laughs> what, what can you do for me? See, I think he's got a bit of a a stubble there as well, so it's hiding his double chin. That's it. <laughs> um, but like in general, but no, he wasn't put under too much pressure. But he looked, uh, he looked, looked on Matt Target esque. It was a very very slow game it was like you know a dull war of attrition that suited somebody who can't run <laughs> all right um the, the last one then um so we got burnley on thursday uh west brom on sunday um what what midfield do you play now against burnley if we're talking about louise being missing so i assume you're bringing elmo in for cash uh, Louise is missing, but I don't think they're going to play Ross Barkley because I think they might play him on the Sunday. And they're definitely they're definitely not going to play him the two games, and they might just say, right, give him a few more days, and we'll play him on the Sunday. Um, so what are you doing? Like, I I would play Hurrahan there because, like, you know, I'm looking at the Burnley midfield, and I'm not worried about Ashley Westwood and Josh Brownhill. <laughs> you know? So I would play Hurrahan holding it, and I would just yeah. Play him again, maybe keep Ramsey off him. Um, 
Or, yeah, probably do that or play Terroria again. No, I wouldn't play Terroria again in number 10. What would you do? Well, I, I certainly wouldn't play Terroria in the number 10 if the midfield was Ramsey and McGinn behind him. I I would definitely play Tro- or play Horan in for uh, Douglas Louise with the same team tonight. I I wouldn't I would just be avoiding Nakamba. Nakamba is, is such a bad footballer that it would just completely interrupt the flow of the team all year. Yeah. Villa have been dominating games against everybody they've played. They've been far too good on the ball. You can't just interrupt that just for the notional idea that Nakamba, because he's shit at football, is good at defending. Yeah. Nakamba isn't a good defensive midfielder. He's just somebody who plays in that position. He just has DM next to his name on football manager. Yeah. He's not a good defensive midfielder and he's a fucking atrocious footballer. Well, that, like, that's it. Like, he, he intercepts some balls. He's got energy. But yeah, he's, he's not he's not bringing enough to that anchor role. Like, Douglas Louise isn't playing so well there generally this season um, because he's good at defending. Like, he's, he's controlling a game for Villa and he's not... He's not. <laughs> if you put the camera in there, you're taking an other option out because the camera's not going to look for the ball. He's not going to make himself available. And when he gets the ball, it's going straight back to Mings. Think about that. Like Louise gets the ball and turns. That's a big difference in what the camera's going to do. Yeah. Even something as simple as that, the camera gets it and gets it back to Mings. What happens then? You need to hope Wally Watkins is going to bring that down. Um, Connor Hurahan can and will do what Dean Smith asks Douglas Louise to do. He just can't do it as well. So it's much less disruption to the team to put in Connor Hurahan and to attempt to play the same type of way. And whenever you've got Ramsey and McGinn either side, that'll cover some of Hurahan's deficiencies, which are mostly physical deficiencies. He doesn't have great cop on for players running past him. But you know, if you've got three players in the midfield, there's a lot less space for other people to run past you. And the two guys are generally really clued in. So that should cover for that. But you can't just give up on your philosophy of keeping the ball and dominating and strangling teams with possession. Yeah, we actually need to start a bit of a campaign here on Twitter. Like, you know, don't play in the camera. Hashtag don't play in the camera. Um, Zimbabwe Twitter will not like that, but like, it needs to be done. Uh, there was like Villa put out a picture. It was four pictures in the one tweet from training. And it was, I think it said like on the ball or something. And it was like, it was pictures in the camera. And he was, he was literally falling on his arse. Um, <laughs> trying to like kick the ball away from Grealish or something as he was falling. I was like, this is the shot you got from him from training. Like, was there not one instance where he had the ball? <laughs> oh, it's grim. You're making me worry already. We've just we've just beaten Wolves and I'm already worrying about the next game. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Like as I said, we played um played five of the top nine last year and we've won five. Like we haven't played anybody else. There's four more games to go in there. So that's Liverpool. That's Leicester. That's Wolves, that's Arsenal, that's Sheffield United, all wins. Burnley were top 10 last year. They're up next on Thursday. Yeah, it's going well. Um, Villa are back into the top eight. Am I right in thinking that, Liam? Seventh. So you're right. They're they're one point behind Man United. What? What? How did that happen? That is surprising. Jesus Christ Almighty, they're one point behind Southampton. They are they're one point behind they're two points behind Southampton with a game in hand. They are three points behind Leicester in fourth place with a game in hand and a better goal difference. So Let's get it fucking done. Let's get it done. Back into the Champions League place and your prediction 
from the Fulham match is still is still in play, never to be dislodged. Like they're technically not dislodged; it's still in their own hands. Um, yeah, let's let's get it done. Is right. Burnley at home, West Brom on Sunday. Come on, come on! Is this a chance to make a three games in a row? It fucking certainly is. If you're not beating Burnley and West Brom whenever you've got a Champions League challenge, then you don't deserve you don't deserve it. Uh, and that just sets it all up for another, <laughs> another miserable week. But a great day. We're up and running yet again. Here we go. Uh, enjoy your weekend. It's great to play at twelve thirty on a Saturday and get the get the W in the bag. Um, if you're enjoying the show, yeah, get in touch with us on uh, Twitter on the Villa Podcast. We're on Instagram as well. Find us there. But share it on. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. That is important because it knocks it up on the old charts. And um, yeah, and like get in touch with us as well if you want to chat about whatever I don't know um yeah hopefully <laughs> just um just give us a shout alright chat to you later imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.